going on, everybody? I hope you are all safely strapped inside of your homes. We're in some weird times. Kurt is joining me. Kurt, how you doing, man? Good, man. This is the first pod I can do at home in a long time. It feels really nice, actually. It is nice. It's kind of nice to do it on the company's time. Uh, you know, regardless, I guess I've done pretty much all these on the company's time. But uh, it is it is kind of nice to not have to look over your shoulder every two seconds, isn't it? Yeah, it's good. Dude, why are you working from home? I, what's like what's changed? Um, so there's this thing going around. It's this this crazy virus, and uh, basically what's happened is the entire world is shut down for what looks like to be at least another month. And all the companies sent us home because it's so contagious that if you know you're in groups bigger than ten, you're probably going to kill the entire world. So here we are. Seems fake, dude. Sounds like uh, sounds apocalyptic. Yeah, it's liberal propaganda. Or should I say, a podcalyptic? Welcome to the Thoughts Inside Your Head podcast, everybody. This is the apocalypse, and uh, it's kind of a special one. Normally. We, uh, we have lots of things to talk about, but mostly we just talk about the Jazz, and yeah, we're definitely going to have to touch on that because I feel like the Jazz uh, had a pretty huge role in where we are as a country right now from a, a social isolation standpoint, so we're going to touch on that, but uh, yeah, dude, these are weird times, and it's going to be fun to talk about, honestly, because I feel like I need to talk to somebody because I live at home alone and don't talk to anybody, so this will be good. I'm happy I can help. I don't know if I want to be your shrink, but I'm happy I can help. <laughs> no, heaven already knows that uh, I'm, I'm I'm well beyond help at this point. So yeah, I've always said if I wanted to like go back to school and get my doctorate in doctorate do- doctorate in sorry that was stupid in uh, psychology, you would be my my thesis for sure. Honestly, dude, if that gives me a, a, like a faster track to the hospital bed if I need it, then honestly, sign me up. Because who <laughs> knows what's going to happen at this point. <laughs> no kidding. But but seriously, man, so um, obviously you and I have been talking you know, throughout text. And I don't think – I think the last time I actually saw you was the night that the Jazz beat the Celtics. And that's actually going to be – it's a pretty important uh, – uh, we'll say crossroads. Yeah. in the the timeline of this corona deal that we want to talk about but uh it's been a minute since i've since i've saw you we've texted a little bit here and there i took a quick jaunt away from utah that was interesting that we'll chat about and uh yeah but i kind of want to get your thoughts on on what's going on here we're going to talk about kind of how it's impacting us and what our takes are in this crazy world and um yeah we're gonna try and make some sense of it all what do you say let's do it dude where do, where do you want to start on this it's a lot to unpack and I don't know how talented we are yet at this podcasting thing. It's going to be kind of difficult to, to get through this, I think, in, in a coherent way. So I'm going to let you kind of take the lead on this and tell me what you want to talk about. Dude, I'm still trying to gather my thoughts. Um, but I think, honestly, I think one thing that would be kind of important is it feels like this this whole coronavirus deal um, kind of sprung up uh, pretty quickly and got real, real fast. And so I think it'd be kind of interesting to kind of go back on our just our personal timelines about when this actually started to get for real. And then we'll actually talk about what we feel about it now, because I don't know if your opinions have changed or anything. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, literally, we're, we're locked down the entire like this, the entire state of New York is in a state of emergency. A bunch of other states have uh, essentially issued states of emergency. 
There's hospital beds that are lacking, ICU units, ventilators, especially in New York. I think New York has, like, at this point, as of March 26, 37,000 confirmed cases um, and are experiencing multiple deaths. And I don't think the hospitals are full yet, but that's kind of where we are as a time frame point. Um, I think the next largest state with confirmed infections is like 6,000. I want to say it's California. Might be Washington. Shout out, Carl. But anyway, that's kind of where we are now. But let's let's talk about kind of how this – I guess how this all developed on on a personal timeline scale because I don't think anybody, you know, if you were talking to us a month ago, would either one of us have estimated the fact that we'd be locked down essentially um, and fighting with sticks for toilet paper? <laughs> no, definitely not. It's been a wild ride. I don't think so either, man. So let's uh, let's let's kind of start talk about this for you personally. When when did uh, when did this whole thing get real for you? Man, I'm I'm sitting here and you you sent this question to me beforehand because, you know, you're nice and you're not going to throw me off guard too much on such a big subject, but I've been thinking about this quite a bit lately and I think it's got to be that Jazz OKC game. Well, I guess that that day in general, uh, what happened? There was a few factors that went down that day um where it, it got things a little bit more real than we initially thought. I think earlier that day, was it the same day that the travel ban for 30 days from Europe was issued from the president. Um, the NBA Board of Governors basically decided there's going to be no fans at games going forward, and then the whole OKC jazz fiasco, and then, like, Rudy tests positive and the NBA shut down within, like, 10 minutes. Um, and then, of course, the icing on the cake is the country's dad, Tom Hanks, tested positive the same day. Um, but I definitely look at those two hours as the before and after when – it all felt like everything got serious. I would say, I guess the market in February uh, was definitely some sort of red herring, but that's something that I didn't pay attention to every day. It's not, you know, in my face like it is you every day of my life. So um, it it felt like there was some sort of looming cloud, like a buildup, but that day, uh, Wednesday, the whatever it was, uh, definitely was the catalyst for me. And and what's been so interesting, sorry, I don't want to go on too long here, but what's been interesting about this entire situation is just how fast everything can change or how fast uh, we get news to us or how fast an ordinance can get initiated. It felt like almost every single day there for a minute, uh, something new would happen and you could break it down like hour by hour. Like the day I got sent home from work, it was Thursday the 12th, right? Um, the morning felt kind of weird. We had a big company meeting and upper management was saying, you know, they're moderate, monitoring COVID-19 as an hour by hour situation. And then I think we got a text from Tom first saying that uh, his entire company was being sent home to work from home. And then my wife, Emily, sent me a screenshot of an email from her property management company saying people have been getting tested uh, for the virus in the buildings and it just so happens that our buildings are ran by the same property management com company. And as soon as my wife sent me that, I saw all the managers running into a room. Um, and I knew right then and there that we were going to get sent home, um, which was originally slated till uh, Friday, tomorrow, the 27th. And then now we just have the foreseeable future, at least another month working from home. So um, things change quick. So I mean, we might be talking on one thing right now and then the next day, tomorrow, or even an hour after we finish this podcast, things have changed. So I guess, I guess that's my long winded answer, winded answer about, uh, what's been going on and when it felt real, but definitely that, that day of the jazz game. What about you? Dude, mine, mine kind of evolved a little bit. Um, obviously, so 
clients started asking me about the coronavirus and if it was something we need to be concerned about probably well I'm towards towards the end of February when the market started to react a little bit and apparently at the and this is something that probably came out later but uh, some of the larger um, big wigs in, in, in stock market trading whether they're pension funds and hedge funds and uh, venture capital and all that good stuff. We're we're kind of in on on the secrets, and I'm not I'm not Mr. Conspiracy, but you might want to con- cue the conspiracy music. It sounds like there was information that was potentially being withheld from the public, just in general, about how serious this thing might be, and but kind of upper, I don't know the upper the upper bigwigs of of both government and the market. You know, despite what potentially President Trump was saying about maybe it being kind of hoaxy and not a big deal, um, it seems like. Despite all of that, the people that were maybe in touch with authorities elsewhere um, that had actual information, like things, that's when the markets started to go down a little bit. And the markets are pretty good at pricing in, you know, kind of scary things for the most part. Like they didn't do anything when we attacked Iran, um, but uh, this started to, to kind of crumble in February. So I, it started, I started to kind of put some eyes on it then um, and, and keep an eye on it. And then over the next um, couple weeks, kind of nothing. And then I, I follow – a lot of people know who Tim Ferriss is. He's kind of the um, – he's written a few books and he's he has a podcast where he interviews like top top performing professionals in a bunch of different um, fields and asks them about stuff. And I follow him on Twitter and it, towards the beginning of March, he started asking, hey, guys, I think this thing might be a little more serious than maybe we've all kind of planned on. And he started talking about canceling his South by Southwest appearance. And then I kind of started to perk my ears up a little bit. And then probably by March 10th is when he started tweeting out um, things about what what was going on in Italy. And like healthcare professionals were like logging in in Italy and kind of updating the world on what was going on and talking about how they don't have enough hospital beds. People are basically being displaced from hospital beds and they're pretty much picking who lives and dies. And that was like my first like chilling like, oh man, this actually could get kind of serious kind of thing. That was That was around March 10th. Or even March 9th, I think. And then Joe Rogan had a podcast. Even Osterholm, I think is his name, on on March 11th. And I listened to that, and that guy was pretty much saying, yeah, this stuff's going to spread pretty quick, and it can get pretty nutty pretty fast. And it's actually a super interesting conversation, but he pretty much said that, yeah, it's going to have some pretty devastating effects on the U.S. And that's when I started to kind of stress a little bit. And that was, that was around like March 10th, so just a couple days before the Jazz game. Um, and so ultimately, the culmination was like on the date of the Jazz game, it's a Wednesday. I'm at work, and I'm, I'm kind of talking with my boss, and we're kind of talking. We're just thinking, yeah, this could get a little serious. I don't know. I'm like, I don't have any food at my house. I literally have, I think, three meals left of food prep, meal prep. <laughs> and so I'm like, I don't know if this is going to get real or not, but I might actually stop by the grocery store on the way home and pick up some food just to chuck in my cupboards because I'll, uh, I'll be getting real, real thin if, uh, <laughs> if things lock down. But I'm like, it might be paranoia. Anyway, so I'm driving to Smith's as the jazz game is about to start. I'm listening to it. Good, our good old friend David Locke. <laughs> and uh, anyway, I'm probably long-winded here. But ultimately no, – I was uh, I was grabbing cans of chicken, the Berg famous cans of chicken. Oh. I grabbed some cans of chili. Um, I grabbed some meat, chucked it in my bag. Literally, as I was listening to the events of the game unfolding, where the Jazz take the floor. OKC takes the floor. They're about to tip off. Some guy in a suit comes sprinting onto the court, saying, "Hey, you know, gathers gathers uh, 
Billy Donovan and Quinn together. They chat about it, and then all of a sudden, everybody's getting sent back. And and I'll be honest, when I saw that Rudy was out for illness earlier that day, and obviously hindsight's twenty twenty here, but I kind of thought I was like, that'd be crazy if Rudy has the disease. Yeah, I kind of just thought that, like, and maybe everybody did, and just kind of like you know passed it along. But uh, obviously, then the dominoes just started to unfold. All of a sudden, Rudy tests positive. Everybody's getting quarantined. Just like you said, the NBA is like basically shutting everything down. And then all of a sudden, it got it got pretty real. That was, I mean, that was it. And then really since then, it's kind of been, you know, full on borderline pandemonium. I think like the next like three days, that's when the grocery store started to get emptied and, and everything got crazy. So that's kind of how, how it happened for me. Yeah. No, that OKC jazz experience, I feel like is one of those moments that I'm definitely going to remember for a really, really long time. Um, just cause everything kind of fell off a cliff, but I remember exactly what I was doing. I had Jamie because Emily was doing something. I think it was, she was like getting her hair done or something. And, uh, I had Jamie and I, of course I was craving food. So I was like, all right, I can throw Jamie in the back and go to Cubby's. Uh, they have a drive through on the Cubby's at 123rd. Like it's not a big deal. I can just throw them in there. The game's in like an hour, um, plenty of time to get back and eat this and watch the game. Anyway, of course their drive through takes a really long time and um, I'm just getting worried about the game, but of course I know we have lock to listen to if we need to. And by the time I get my food, it's like seven Oh something. And jazz tip offs are usually around like seven twelve. So I'm like, okay, okay, cool. So I tuned into the game right at seven twelve. It was at the light, uh, going onto the freeway southbound on 123rd. And I'm not kidding you. It was perfect timing because right when I tune in and I hear David Locke say something like Steven Adams getting a few uh, warm-up jumps in before tip, and then, wait a minute, the ref's stepping away, uh, Quinn and, and Billy Donovan are talking to somebody, the ref's about the game or whatever, and then the, he says, the players are walking back to the bench, uh, we might have to wait a second, now both teams are being told to go back into the locker room, and that's like when I texted the group, I'm like, what is going on? Because I don't have eyes on anything, and uh, when the teams got sent back, I knew something was up, I've never, I don't know, I don't think we've ever experienced that um, on a you know, any other game. And the original excuse was they were waiting to hear from the league to get permission to start. Um, but you know, why would they send teams back to the locker room? And I, and, and at this point, um, I was finally back home and I was able to stream the game and the streams that I I watch games on, instead of going to commercial break, it goes to like a feed of the jumbotron and, Obviously, there wasn't anything to show, so it was on that feed. And the arena announcer on the PA, um, he announces, you know, the game has been canceled. Please leave in an orderly fashion. We are all safe. And it was such an unsettling tone, like the the we are all safe part. Because mostly what's going on is in everybody's mind is, you know, this illness. It used to be post 9-11. It used to be, you know, a terrorist attack or something like that. But now it's just like, wow, are we going to, are we going to you know, be one of the main epicenters of this entire pandemic, um, which is really unsettling the vibe. Like you can hear the restlessness in the crowd just, you know, through the mics there. And then about a minute after we get the news, Rudy tested positive, And then 30 seconds after that, uh, the biggest Woj nuke of all time that um, the game's being shut down or the league's being shut down for the remainder of the season. And we've been living in fallout ever since that nuke dropped Berg. It's been rough. Dude, it's crazy. Like literally the, the the NBA announced that and then within what within 24 hours, I'm pretty sure like pretty much everything else had been canceled at that point, right? Yeah. Yep. Almost almost everything. And so 
yeah, it seems like they, they took pretty quick action and, um, yeah, now we're, we're kind of living in, in unprecedented times. One other, uh, yeah. So I mean, I don't even know where to go. So I guess the first question, let's talk, let's talk a little bit about the, I mean, about the, the jazz dude, or just about the NBA. Um, obviously canceled for the foreseeable future. What do you think is going to happen, man? Are they gonna, are we going to have a season? Um, if you were to list out the probability of us, um, having a regular season, what do you think that would be? Or um, some sort of abbreviated regular season. Yeah, I feel like if they're going to do anything with a regular season, it's going to have to start in May. Um, from what it sounds like, they don't want to go too past, too far past Labor Day because they start. Is it Labor Day or Memorial Day? I never know which one it is, but uh, they have to start competing with the NFL at that point. Um, from what I, from what I understand, um, I think it's Mark Cuban that's come out and said that they're really hoping for a May start. What I want to happen is some sort of abbreviated regular season before playoffs because we don't want to jump right in and just have crappy basketball. We want these guys to get back into shape because, I mean, they haven't been working out or anything. They're locked down like we are. And I don't want to, you know, I mean, it might actually help the Jazz <laughs> kind of level the playing field a little bit um, from for some bad basketball for a few weeks. But um, I'm, I'm thinking the playoffs are going to look pretty brutal. You know, a lot of basketball played in a couple weeks, um, even back-to-backs. I hope they don't cut series down to five games. I want I want full seven-game series. It would be nice to start, though. We would have home court over OKC, but we would play the Lakers in the second round, I think, um, if, that, if that's lining up right. But we don't want that to happen. Um, but at some sort, I, I think Ingles said that they might do like some sort of um, quick camp before starting the season back up. I just want to see good basketball. This is when basketball is supposed to be the most competitive. It's supposed to be when the guys are, you know, at, at their peak form for the year. And that's what I want to see. But, um, who knows, man? I don't, I don't know there. I mean, there's still, I feel like the season being canceled and no playoffs is just as big as a possibility as some other solution. Dude, that's, that's almost how I see it as well. I mean, if we look at it, I feel like the wave of infections is, I mean, just, I mean, it feels like cases in Europe are starting to kind of peak right now and maybe peter out a little bit. So maybe we're just past the peak there. And literally every day since then, the U.S. has started to develop more cases. So Mm -hmm. it just feels like it's kind of a wave that's passing over the U.S. So if you think about, you know, the fact that, okay, you know, obviously – you know, our population is, is you know, much bigger than, you know, Italy's, for example. And Spain is, they're starting to wrap up theirs. And um, interestingly enough, like the UK hasn't been as hard hit. And it's just really weird to see like how different countries are, well, one, dealing with it and two, you know, being affected. And so the US, um, you know, it's consistently been said that we're two weeks behind Italy um, from a, develop- a case development and spread rate. So I guess if you think about that, you know, if they're still just barely peaking, that means another two weeks, two to three weeks for us. Obviously, it's got more territory to cover in the U.S. than it does in Italy. But let's just say that puts us at peak time towards late April. That means it still needs to kind of peter out. So maybe, I mean, again, I guess it kind of depends on how catastrophic it is. And it, it seems like there's consistently conflicting reports on, on a bunch of different things about how bad this is going to be. We still don't know. Because it seems like China's covering up what's going on there. Iran had covered up a bunch of stuff until satellite images saw them digging mass graves. Like they said, they didn't even have any cases until they, you know, they were uncovered. Then they started to release their information. Yeah. Ultimately, I'm, I'm rambling a little bit here, but just because this, really, the question is, how honestly deadly is this freaking disease? 
Right. Obviously, it, it's deadly enough to overwhelm hospitals because it's doing it, so it's clearly worse than the flu. Um, but if this thing, you know, it, it's hard to say. My bet, personally, I don't think there'll be. I don't think there'll be regular season games, and there'll be some abbrevi- potentially some abbreviated postseason. But if we had to guess, I would say that there's probably there's probably no postseason either. As as crappy as it says, as crappy as it sounds. Um, I just don't see how the NBA, especially because the NBA is pretty cautious as it is. Like I say, they were the first ones to cut the, to cut the cord. Um, maybe if it's, if it's, if the, the virus spreads in a way that's maybe not as catastrophic as projections are, or it's on the lower end, maybe you start getting games without, without fans, you know, towards, towards July. And they do some like abbreviated regular season in July and then move on into August with like potentially five game series or something, right? So yeah. Um, okay, this is like a side tangent, but I watched this video with a, a surgeon um, yesterday, which I really wish I didn't. Um, but I'm gonna spoil it for everyone else too. He was explaining like how this disease kills people, and it basically suffocates you, which sounds terrible. Um, terrifying. Yeah, terrifying. Um, and then, you know, more and more reports are coming out that, like, younger people are dying from it, which is scary. Um, so, like you said, I mean, hoping for the best with the NBA means you're hoping for the best, really, for humanity. So there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, if we get to the point to where, you know, we can have games, great. You know, but all in all, when it comes down to it, it is just basketball. As much as we love it and as much as we hang, like, a lot of happiness into the jazz, um, it is just basketball. And there's obviously more important things than that, like the welfare of the entire world. Um, I would love to see I would love to see it. Um, there's a lot of question marks this season that I want to see answered, um, regardless if the jazz are involved or not. So, you know, pr- plus just getting some normalcy back would be just great. But um, I'm starting to lean a little bit more towards we probably won't see anything. Yeah. And that's the thing, man, is like the NBA coming back is is really a proxy for just the fact that everything is going to be okay at that point, right? Because the NBA is not coming back until the coast is clear. And that's kind yeah. of the the sign on the horizon that that we might have some some good news in sight and you know, given the fact that the NBA has been pretty hush-hush on everything, I mean, obviously it's it's still way too early to tell because things really haven't picked up that much from an actual you know, fatality and infection rate, even though I think we're close to 75,000 infections here um, that, that are recorded, of course. And so who knows? Yeah. Um, and you're right. You know, you're right. I honestly, I haven't really, this is going to sound insane, but like all I think about on a typical daily basis is kind of what's going on with the jazz and then, you know, other random stuff for the most part. But when this whole thing started to, to happen, and I, I don't want to be Mr. Uh, you know, get on my on my soapbox and stuff, but it all just seemed a little bit less significant. Like I really, I just kind of stopped caring a little bit more about the NBA. Like obviously, it'd be nice to watch games right now and and whatever, but it just feels like, and maybe it's because my job and, and obviously everybody's job is I'm not going to say in jeopardy, but impacted in one way or another. So between jobs and obviously family, um, you know, this thing. It, it's just so much real that it, it's so real that it kind of drowns the importance of everything out. And I wish it wasn't the case, yeah. honestly. Yeah. And real quick, like, can you imagine how miserable it's got to be for the people? If like all these, these events do get rescheduled, like the people that are coordinating that between 
the NBA events at arenas, TV slots. Like, imagine that nightmare of trying oh. to the logistics behind that. So shout out to those people. If and when that time comes, um, our hearts are with you. Seriously, man. I mean, I remember when right after Kobe died, um, the like the Staples Center and the Lakers and the Clippers were trying to figure out if they should cancel the game they were playing right after. And there was a big deal like saying like, it's going to be so hard to reschedule this game based on, you know, the Staples Center and everything else. Um, and that's literally for two teams that play in L.A. in the same arena. I can't even imagine what it would be like for literally every arena in every city for every different type of entertainment event. And so, yeah, shout out to them. And, of course, this goes without saying, but shout out to all the doctors and everybody, all the healthcare professionals that are holding us down with all the – I know we've seen a million thank you memes and different things like that, but uh, I feel like it's important to say shout out to everybody that's, that's handling that. And um, – Real quick, yeah. though, a shout out just to people who are going through tough times in terms of, you know, losing your job and um, financial crises and things like that. Um, you know, we're at least at this point in a blessed enough position to keep our jobs and keep some sort of income, um, you know, flowing in. So, you know, I can't imagine what it would be like to have just your entire future ripped away from you, like in, in worrying about that aspect, along with just the virus and everything else in general. So shout out to you guys. Yeah, 100%, 100%. And if there's anything that we can do for you guys, let us know. Um, And anything, of course. Um, I know we've got millions of listeners, and I know that the unemployment um, number, the people that have filed for unemployment, I think it was up to like 3.8 million. Yeah, just today. And we're we're at like 800,000. Unemployment was at an all-time low four weeks ago, and literally we're at (laughs) at 3 million. It's not a laughing matter. It's just insane to see how quickly it is. And I know – I know a couple people that have, have recently been uh, have been let go from their jobs, and uh, it's weird. It's it's definitely a weird time, and um, people are trying to figure out what they're going to do. And you know, shout out to you know, there's so much to say about this. Like one is like I hope that once this is all over, and you know, personally, I just thought you know, for my job, just thinking about like, and I, I uh, my company does a pretty good job with financial planning. So the people that were you know listening to us, you know, they're pretty pretty well prepared for the for the pullback um, we try and develop kind of all weather plans whether it's when the market's good or bad or whatever like we want to keep people in, in pretty good shape but you know I just think about things that I would have done differently in my conversations with clients that I know this was coming um, and then you just think about just things that you would do in general just personally had we known this was coming maybe being a little more prepared you know all the preppers all the preppers out there are probably real stoked they've got 10 years worth of food in their basement I probably wouldn't be that extreme but I definitely probably would have a little bit more set aside um, and then just as like, you know, from a, a level of humanity um, and, you know, overall just like pandemic preparedness in the government. And there's some opinions one way or another whether or not the CDC was defunded or shut down. I've seen multiple credible sources claiming yes and no, so I don't know exactly what to think there. But um, just from a whole, you'd like to think that hopefully we can make it out of this you know, without too many, you know, too many catastrophes. And, and by the other side, we, it's, you know, it's a mistake to learn from. And one that we can, you know, hopefully, you know, build on and be prepared for that way. Because this won't be the last, you know, we've had SARS, we've had Ebola, we've had the freaking swine flu. This obviously is the is the worst, but, you know, hopefully we can all prepare. And that's kind of my hope that when all this is over, that we're not going to go back and do the same stupid stuff that we did before. Yeah, for sure, man. Um, it It's, I mean, you can have, people can have their opinions on how this was handled around the world by certain countries. And um, there's some blueprints for how to ha- how pe- people have handled it well and blueprints for bad 
Um, either way, whatever happened, happened, and we're in the position we're in now. So the best thing we can do is is do our best to, you know, stay inside, stay away from people, and, and do what they say by, quote, uh, flattening the curve. So Totally, man. Yeah, I think uh, that's, that's super important. That's really, I mean, all we can do at this point. And, you know, I th- well, a couple things I wanted to talk about, we've kind of – it's, it's interesting because we're just kind of getting our thoughts out there is we you, because there are so many unknowns. And I think that's probably my biggest frustration with this whole thing is if there was knowledge about how potentially bad this thing could get, um, just the fact that like we don't have the testing supplies to know like, okay, if, if one out of every 600 people that gets this thing is dying compared to one out of every 600,000 or, you know, there, there's some, some reports that come out saying, yeah, there's a decent amount of research that's gone behind the fact that potentially a lot of people could have already had this thing and gotten over it like in january and february they already have the antibodies and so the the death rate is actually much less and then there's other people that say you know this is much more deadly of course it's more deadly than the flu we already know that because people are again hospitals are being overwhelmed so that's out of the question but the question is you know from a what does the denominator look like infected versus people that are are passing away from this thing and the fact that we don't have mass testing right now is, is kind of insane. And because part of me is like, man, maybe I already had this thing and I'm good. Obviously, you know, at that point, you don't be, you're not contagious anymore from all reports. And so, you know, from an economic standpoint, maybe for everybody that's already had this thing could go to work without endangering, obviously, the lives of themselves, friends and family and older people. That would be really nice because, you know, it'd be nice to get the economy up and running again. But if, if this thing is as <laughs> deadly as maybe some things point to, yeah, it's probably good that we just, you know, who cares about the economy? Let's just, let's all hide for a little while, you know? Yeah. I actually saw an interesting article that was written by economists on both, you know, a more left and right side um, politically. And they're like, you know, what's going to save the economy is people surviving. So let's focus on that. Um, You know, so. Yeah, totally. Totally. I mean, obviously short-term impacts and that's not, I mean, that's the thing is I tell people, I'm like, look, your 401ks are going to come back. Don't stress. You're not living off that, that now anyway. And if you are living off of it, you didn't plan appropriately before this happened in the first place. But that's the last thing we need to worry about. We need to worry about, okay, why are things crashing? Oh, that's because people don't have jobs anymore. And they're not getting money to shop and do those things and you know, continue the money supply. And so, yeah, the biggest thing is let's keep everybody safe and healthy so they can spend some money later and enjoy their lives. <laughs> no kidding. And you know that stimulus package, that's one thing when I was – getting my nose together for this is the stimulus package hasn't hadn't been passed yet and it just did um so you know uh whatever happens hopefully just some cash in hand will help um the economy from the bottom up as well um i guess as they're going for the the top down um trickle down as well um it's really hard because i don't feel like in any situation right now there's no right or wrong answer and um people just need to control what they can control and that's what it it's always going to come down to um Again, you know, if you lost your job, like, there's literally nothing I can say to make you feel better, but I just hope people are taking it more serious now, and, you know, you hear about those spring breakers in Florida, um, I had a kid at work say that, um, his neighbor or his roommate threw a party, uh, like, right after we got sent home to work from home uh, a few weeks ago, and he's just like, what are you doing, you're an idiot, so he left to go stay with his parents, um, it's just... People need to take a little bit more serious. And I feel like every day they are, but like at what cost? You know what I mean? Totally, totally. And in fact, it's, it's funny you say that. And I'm, I could be part of the problem. I don't know. Um, 
So on, so the Jazz game ended. Whatever that was on, like what that was on a Wednesday, and Thursday things were obviously really weird. Like people are just starting to realize, oh man, this is kind of this is kind of real. You know, for the most part, most of the country is has kind of it's perked their ears for sure. And for the past uh, year or so, I've had a trip booked to to Hawaii to uh, escape to the islands for a little bit, and I know. <laughs> Long story short, Kurt, but one of these days we'll, we'll make that trip together with them and the fam and everybody. But uh, unfortunately, um, due to you were in better circumstances than me, you actually had a reason to, to stick around here. And his name is Jamie and he's a stud. And um, ultimately, we had a, a trip booked. And on Thursday, I was supposed to leave on Friday. And on Thursday, I just kept thinking, man, I don't even know if I should, if we should do this. I was talking to Carl and Tom um, and their wives who were also going. And we were kind of debating about whether or not we should go. And we're thinking, well, you know, the islands are a place where they're probably the disease isn't spreading and we'll be away from people and we might get infected. But, you know, hopefully it's not going to affect us. And then if we need to quarantine, when we get home. You know, we don't know. We're just kind of spitting around ideas. It's before it got really real. Anyway, so on Friday, we did, I, I told my boss even, I was like, man, I don't know if I should go on this trip. He's like, no, it'll be good. You'll be fine. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. But, I mean, who knows what the market's going to do. And, you know, I just like. Lots, lots of things that were up in the air. But anyway, long story short, end up uh, going to buy a little bit more food to stuck in my pantry, stick in my pantry just in case <laughs> I get home from the trip and uh, the, the the official apocalypse has begun. But we went on the trip and it got real. I had a layover in LA on the way to Hawaii, and and you know I see tons of people wearing masks, and it started to freak me out a little bit, man. It was pretty unsettling seeing that, and then you know refreshing Twitter, and you know this is when pretty much all heck is breaking loose. Um, with with breakouts of the disease and stuff. Anyway, I get to Hawaii. Everything's good, um, and the, the we're with Tom. Like I say, Tom and Carl, and we tried like the whole time. We we're all still a little sketched out, but we wanted to have a good time. But we also kind of wanted to try and do our part. So we didn't. We only ate in once. We we stayed outside um, or stayed in our room. We didn't really come in contact with anybody um, aside from a few uh, workouts at the gym early in the week, which were probably potentially irresponsible I don't know but Carl had to get his swell on and so did Tom so I figured I'd I'd go with him but uh things got real crazy on Wednesday or on Tuesday we got a after coming back from the beach we got a letter on our door saying that someone at the hotel was infected and that they were taking precautionary measures to get him out of there yada 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 long story short halfway through the trip um even on Maui places started to shut down only have takeout but you still see tons of people where you're still gathering in large groups um, like I say, we did, we did a pretty good job of staying away from everybody just on the beach, finding our own spots and getting takeout and stuff. But you could see that, I mean, there are definitely a lot of people that were probably being a little reckless. Granted, you know, it's interesting. There were only two cases or there was one case on Hawaii when we arrived and there were like 18 by the time we left. And so clearly, um, obviously there's lots of reasons why that could be, but it, it was just interesting. We just pretty much the week that we were gone, everything started to kind of develop um, in the States. And it was just kind of a weird time to be on quote unquote vacation. I'll never complain about being on vacation, but it was still really weird. (laughs) Yeah. That was that day. Like when I I mentioned earlier, it was that stretch where like every single day, something new is happening hour by hour, like news breaking and stuff like that. So, um, I'm sure it was pretty weird to be kind of away from everyone. Like, did you ever have the thought that, Hey, I might, I might end up getting stuck here and not be able to fly home. Dude, we kind of thought about it. Um, we thought about the fact that not, not necessarily because of like planes would be grounded or there'd be some sort of travel ban, but we thought that with that person that got infected, 
um, at the hotel that they do something kind of like the Diamond Princess uh, ship that got quarantined for two weeks just in the middle of the ocean. <laughs> we thought there would be a possibility that we'd get stuck there. And personally, I, I mean, I didn't necessarily worry as much because I actually had my work computer just in case. Um, I never opened it, but I figured if I got quarantined, I'd, I'd have that. But, of course, you know, Carl and Tom and, and Brooke and, and Bree, they have kids that, you know, are – home and our you know duties as parents definitely take precedence and so uh you know tom and brie made the noble decision to, to head out a little bit early and carl and brooke and i we, we stuck on the island for a little while uh for a few more days and you know did our did our job but it was interesting that's when everybody started to you know basically were asked to be you know socially distanced and isolated and stay at home and work from home and yada 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 so it was just kind of a weird transitionary phase to be on vacation yeah but i'll be honest I was probably more stressed then than I maybe I even am now. It, it's really interesting just being away and kind of not having a whole lot of control and just kind of just being off the beaten path a little bit was was kind of weird. And then, not to transition totally, but then I wake up to texts on I think it was Wednesday morning um, to the fact that a freaking earthquake hit Salt Lake City and the surrounding area. And honestly, at that point, I just laid in bed thinking. Is this honestly the end of the world? Like literally, I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I, I could not believe it. I was like, this is some this is some Armageddon type stuff. But it was wild, how, wasn't it? How was it, dude? How was it? I mean, obviously you were there. Yeah. You were here, I should say. Yeah. So Emily and I obviously both woke up. We're on – the way our townhome is is um, there's like one, one room and the garage on the ground floor. And then you go up a flight of stairs and that's like where the living room is at. It's nice and big, and then you go up another set of stairs to the third floor where the bedrooms are at. So we're on the third floor, um, and things shook pretty good. I, I don't know if there's more sway or something um, behind that, but um, things are shaking pretty good up there. We actually experienced an earthquake in right in Bluffdale that was a smaller magnitude, but it was closer to us that shook about the same. Um, the first oh, year, right. yeah, the first year we lived here. So um, it wasn't like the first one I felt in the house, but it was shaking really good. Um, Sonny was on the bed with us, our dog, and I kind of like lean up. I'm not too scared. Um, Sonny's just looking at us like he's not panicking or anything, but Emily being the great mother she is literally like throws her body over Jamie's bassinet, just ready to take whatever's coming her way and his way to protect him. So shout out to Emily being the better parent in that situation. Um, and then that next day, I mean, the false reports people were spreading about, you know, the, Hey, they're predicting a bigger earthquake at 620 tonight. You know, you gotta like, you gotta be grounded in that situation and not let your mind like go to different places. If I remember one thing from geology, it's that you can't predict an earthquake. If you could, I think a lot of lives would be saved. Um, even after the fact of one, I mean, obviously aftershocks are a thing, but you can't predict a bigger aftershock coming, um, at any time. So, um, that day, the grocery stores were even more of an atrocity than anything with the coronavirus. Did you see that report that, like, out of any state, Utah's the one that's, like, hoarding food and, like, just destroying the shelves? And, and dude, it's, like, 260% yes. more increase on, like, just buying, you know, non-perishable foods and toilet paper and stuff. Like, we're handling this terribly. Dude, it's it's so funny. I saw that. I'm I'm actually trying to pull it up to see if I can find the um the shopping rates over the over the country. But yeah, we Utah was like 250 or 260 percent, and then the next highest was like 
I don't know, somebody at like 45%, yeah. one state at 45%. Like, are that like it's insane. And this is, it's funny because, you know, you would expect maybe you to be a little more prepared. Not that I can, I'm not casting any aspersions here because I literally didn't have the type of supplies either. But at the same time, it's like, if you just buy what you need, we're not going to run out of stuff. So I never really worried about not having stuff. That's probably a bad uh, justification, but I just figured, hey, if we all just keep buying what we're supposed to, like we're not going to shut down stores. Yeah. Whether or not the virus comes, but still we're still in the yeah. And keep going. Um, well, that day was a little weird. Emily was a little spooked. Um, her mom actually definitely was spooked. And she's like, why don't you guys just come be with us? And Emily's like, okay, well, let's pack an overnighter just in case. So we ended up going to my in-laws for uh, the second half of the day. And we didn't spend the night. We came back home. But I was kind of in a bad mood that day. Not because um, anything other than people just being just a little too crazy about it. We were We were a little over the top that day. Um, granted, you know, in this state, especially in this Valley, we've been programmed to fear earthquakes because quote unquote, the big one Watch out has for been the over there. Yeah. Ever since, you know, kindergarten, they've been warning us about this. So there is that panic factor. And then they let you know, you know, anything over a 6.5, the entire ground liquefies and the entire Valley just gets flattened. So, um, I understand like some sort of the panic, but we got to like keep our heads in situations. It's not, it wasn't the end of the world. Um, it just happened to be a coincidence that all this virus stuff was going on. So I was actually in a bad mood, um, during that day of the earthquake, um, in the few hours that, you know, were immediately after, but, um, I got over myself, you know, I understand in times of panic, uh, people do weird things, so we got through it. It's another thing we got through. We'll get through this virus thing. Um, but yeah, it was it was pretty wild for sure. Dude, I, I like I said, I couldn't believe it. I just woke up to a bunch of texts. Hawaii is four hours behind um, Utah, so by the time I woke up, it was probably uh, I don't know, like so, let's see, probably seven o'clock. So it was probably like eleven, I don't know, eleven thirty or so Utah time. And thankfully, like the yeah, I saw the tweets of, like, people panicking about, like, a 9.0 coming up. I saw the airport was damaged. I see my work – I had, like, calls from my work talking – like, the uh, – checking on, on me, making sure I was safe even though I was gone. Like, a bunch of crazy stuff, and I'm just thinking this is honestly insane. And, yeah, I, I just felt – obviously felt for everybody that was there <laughs> just dealing with it because it's just, like, another thing to throw on top of the chaos that's already, like, right. in peak chaos mode. So Well, um, <clears throat> we got to give a shout-out to Tom and Bree who – this actually happened on their decision to travel oh. home early. So <laughs> they got stuck in Seattle, took off, earthquake happened, plane flipped around. Where they were stuck in the Seattle airport. Then they decided what you know, we can get to Boise and then we can either drive or fly from Boise and they finally get there. Um, airport is not open yet, but it looks like it's gonna open up, so they make the decision to stick around and wait for a flight to get home. So their travel home to get to their kids was chaotic to say the least so shout out to the Barneses. um feel bad for those guys yeah totally i i couldn't believe it when i found out i mean yeah i got the text saying that they're they take off from seattle and we're halfway here and had to get rerouted that's i mean that was just kind of a just kind of the straw that broke the camel's back feeling bad for the Barneses, um because yeah that's rough um but ultimately i'm glad that that's behind us even though i have to say i'll be real so i felt three of the aftershocks I think it's the punishment for actually not being here for the real deal. I've, I've literally felt all three big aftershocks. Well, there's not much on, between you and Magna, right? It's just the lake, realistically. I guess. I don't know, man. I mean, 
Yeah, Bountiful to Magna, I guess. Yeah, it's just kind of a, a quick little thing. But like I woke up on – so I got home Saturday morning um, at like 7 and I like was so tired I went to sleep. And I think I woke up at noon and I like woke up and I felt things rumbling. I'm thinking that's crazy. And then I think it's probably because I mocked, I mocked the earthquake when I got home because my lamp had fallen over the first day um, <laughs> from, the, from the initial earthquake. And I, I made some jokes about having to rebuild. And then uh, – so yeah, I got that one. And I think the next day at like 4 p.m., I was just walking out of my house and I just felt a little jiggle of the floor and I thought, all right, that's crazy. And then I think it was Sunday morning at like 10 a.m. Um, I felt another one. So, Or no, no, it wasn't. It was uh, at 5.45 a.m. on Tuesday morning is what it was, I remember. And I just like woke up, I see things jiggling, and I'm like, well, I guess I'm up for the day. That's because I was already a little freaked out. So yeah. it's They're weird, crazy. man. You know, the weirdest thing about them isn't the ground shaking to me. It's the noise that, that like low hum um, – that just that makes everything me, yeah. rattling. It's just yeah. weird. Totally. Well, anyway, so that was uh, you know that, and then we woke up. It's March 26th, and we had four inches of snow on the on the on the ground this morning. So I don't know if you guys had that, but <laughs> weird times, man. Weird times. But dude, now that now that social distancing and, and working from home and social isolation are a thing, um, like what are you what are you doing to deal with it? What are you doing like to stay sane? It's hard, man, and it's really hard having a newborn in this time because you're always scared no matter what, and then, you know, thankfully you hear these reports of infants not showing symptoms and they should be fine, but still, um, just just having him is really scary. Personally, I've been getting a little stir-crazy, uh, trying to do workouts at home every day and get outside at least once, you know, take the dog for the walk or whatever. Um, I'm cutting back as much as I can with going out to stores. There's been a few times we needed a few things, so I, I braved uh, outside. We actually hit the jackpot with TP um, and paper towels actually just a few days ago. Um, we were running a little bit low. We had no more paper towels, but uh, we got a good – we hit we hit gold at Costco, so we should be good from here on out. Oh, nice, dude. Um, but we have been able to go to my in-laws a few times. Um, we're kind of keeping it to that being really the only destination that we were going to as their, you know, social distancing as well. And I will proudly say that I'm the running three-peat champion of Settlers of Catan. Um, no one seems to be able to touch this and no one wants none of this sauce. So um, get on my level, fam. <laughs> um, one one really cool thing is I, I've got Emily to be more open into video games. I sent you a snap last night of... I got yeah. so stoked. Yeah, we were playing the first Halo campaign, so hopefully, you know, we can beat those games um, and relive some memories. Um, she grew up playing Zombies on COD, so I bit the bullet and actually bought my first Call of Duty game. Um, we've been doing that, but it's really strange. Um, just, like, the psychology behind the whole thing of being kind of locked in or locked, locked in your house. And there's definitely this feeling of anxiety, but it's not like this crippling anxiety. I would say... The way I would describe it, I've been thinking about the best way to describe it. Um, and the analogy that I came up with is how life just feels like we're in this giant waiting room right now. And we don't really know when our name's going to get called to figure out what's going on. We're just sitting in uncertainty and it's just unsettling, you know? How are you doing? Dude, I think that's a good way to put it, honestly. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it's weird, man. So, like I said, everybody was kind of like really adjusting to it all the week that I was gone. And so, I get home and everybody's it feels like it's kind of kind of settled in in their their self-quarantine so um i mean I, I do work from home occasionally anyway like before this whole thing started maybe half the week just just shy of half the week and so i'm kind of used to that 
honestly, I most of the time on the weekdays, I spend most times at home anyway, either watching jazz games after work. So like right. that part hasn't been really different. The biggest thing for me is like, um, and most, uh, I feel weird saying this, but honestly going to the gym, I kind of miss it. I, <laughs> on the trip, I actually ordered some of those TRX straps to do like back exercises. Cause I figured I could do pushups and do body squats and random stuff. I have some kettlebells that I can like fashion into crazy exercises, but I, uh, um, the last two days I've had to work out from inside my house and just coming up with crazy exercises before work because there's snow on the ground and it's raining. And then yeah. the first couple days I'd, you know, come up with some kind of crazy workouts to try and do like at the jungle gym by my house, probably scaring away all the kids. And they probably think I'm some sort of pedophile because <laughs> I'm just like doing pull-ups at the gym, but <laughs> at the jungle gym. <laughs> but, uh, oh, man. I mean, yeah, dude. So like, aside from that, I, I was, <laughs> I've tried to avoid going to the store. Um, I've done a pretty good job. I actually signed up for ButcherBox. That you probably everybody that listens to podcasts that has sponsors. ButcherBox is like a like a responsibly raised like meat, um, honestly meat delivery service basically. So I just ordered a bunch of like steaks and chicken, and that'll show up because I was afraid of running out of food. Um, so that's one thing. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Yeah, I mean, I go on lots of walks. I think uh, I've got the Legacy Park Trail that I can kind of stroll by. I do that. Honestly, the biggest thing, and this is kind of a grass is greener segment, unintentional, but obviously you've got Emmy and uh, and Jamie there just to kind of hang out with constantly, which is kind of fun. Maybe you want to, you know, I don't know, strangle each other at some points. But for me, it's like the whole dating thing is kind of thrown for a loop, dude. So I I probably yeah. should just forsake dating and, and social activities of that nature in its entirety until this thing is over. But maybe I am a little greedy and uh, – I've gone on a couple of dates um, with somebody and we've kind of kept it low key, like inside or just not kind of getting in people's way. And so that, that works. Um, but it's, it is kind of weird. Cause you're like, I don't know who this person's been in contact with. Not that I'm again, particularly stressed about getting it, but of course, you know, birthday was a couple days ago and I was like I don't even know if I should go like say hi to my mom for a birthday like I don't know who knows if I've got it and you know all of a sudden you give it to them then you feel like you're you know you're a terrible person so yeah it's just kind of been an interesting weighing of uh social responsibility and and dating of course I'm not you know going in anywhere with with her or anything like that but um so yeah we've got some some pickleball plans in the future I don't know if that's irresponsible but uh that and then just kind of getting takeout and watching love is blind so We'll oh see. man, yeah, I went through that love is blind phase with him already. I hated <laughs> it, but um, I gotta give a shout out to Emily. Like, this time already is a really weird time, and she's doing it postpartum, um, which is really hard for women in general. Just you know, getting their hormones back in balance and things like that. And she's taking it like a trooper. Um, there's been no strangling yet. Uh, I think we should be good on that front. She's been she's been nothing but great. So shout out to Emily. You know, being able to deal with this in stride. Um, but yeah, it's. It's weird, man. I, I fully support you dating and going out on dates uh, or staying in on dates. Just I, And I texted you about this um, beforehand. It's just really weird. It's like really opposite, right? Like you're not going out and getting to know each other and doing fun things. Instead, like you're forced to hang out and, and just have conversation. I guess it could be a healthy thing too. I don't know. Yeah, dude, honestly, it's kind of nice. Like the first time we went out was kind of before this whole thing happened and we got to spend a lot of time with each other and get to know each other. A lot of talking and a lot of treats. And 
um, acting in a way that is important to the way it would be to do that stuff. So. You know what? Dude's got to do what a dude's got to do, you know? <laughs> I hear you, man. That's what it comes down to. But uh, what was I going to say? I had I had something else. I, c- I cannot remember. Oh, I was just going to say one other thing that I've been doing that is a little more healthy. and Because I know, like, I mean, obviously anxiety can come from this whole thing. But especially last week. So, again, the week of the 13th through the 20th when the crap really hit the fan. Honestly, I just did, even though I was in Hawaii, like, I did my best to stay off Twitter, and anytime I got on, like, I'd be super stressed out, because it literally is pure doom and gloom, and just case reports that aren't really that good, and there's no sports being talked about, which is why I have Twitter for the most part anyway, and so getting off Twitter was uh, was kind of a, a, a solid way to improve morale, even if it's yeah. turning a blind eye towards the truth or falsehoods, I don't know yet at this point. Who knows, if, if it's the truth, it'll get you in one way or the other, it doesn't have to be immediate. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, man, I think, dude, I don't know, like going forward, again, I think the biggest thing, I I haven't done a very good job of of, um, conveying what my emotions are about how I'm reacting to this whole thing because I still don't know exactly. It's Like I say, probably the biggest thing is just kind of a frustration on on how, uh, you know, how deadly this thing really is and and how – I don't know. It's just it's just weird not knowing exactly what the right. Just like you said, we're in a waiting room. Information is is thin, and so we're all just kind of sitting here while, you know, who knows what's happening. <laughs> it's it's just weird. I can't figure it out. Yeah, it's weird, man. This is something like monumental in our lives. Like it's very obvious that this is going to be something that's going to be talked about forever. We'll probably have our grandkids be asking us about like what it was like to live through this time. The really only thing I can compare it to that we've been through is is nine eleven, right? Is there anything else that's been this big? Oh, dude, no way! Like I don't even, and I guess so. We were we were pretty young for nine eleven, and obviously those days are pretty pretty monumental in our heads, and we remember them. I don't really remember. I mean, I just remember kind of the unity after, and there's there's the sense of unity here as well. But I remember like. Um, I remember for the World Series, the Yankees played the Diamondbacks, and of course, New York was obviously, you know, the side of nine eleven. So it was that was that was obviously huge. Um, and that, I remember that being like monumental. Um, but I can't, aside from like the unity that resulted right after. I mean, I don't even know this. I feel like this is even bigger, and it's just weird being in the middle of it, you know. Yeah, and not only that, because like nine eleven did affect the world, but it was mostly like the United States that was affected there was i remember the paranoia of like other attacks and anthrax and that kind of stuff but just like the uncertainty and not knowing what we're up against and it being on a global scale it definitely feels like you know this is the biggest thing we've ever been through for sure 100 percent. and and to kind of add to that like you said it felt like for a while and even still it's like i feel like every country needs to put on some sort of like temporary truce like whether it's for you know, not not necessarily tariffs, but definitely for like wartime preparation. Like, let's stop building battleships to potentially fight each other, and building missiles and buying missiles, and let's all put this money towards like stopping this thing, because I if I feel like the squabbles, I feel like it's this car that's like driving into about to drive off a cliff, and the person that's driving, or the, no, the two people in the back seat are like fighting about like who who gets the last like. I don't know, the, the the last starburst in the bag. And there's probably bigger things to be worrying about because we're about to drive off a cliff. Like, let's let's put all our efforts into, you know, stopping this car. Um, I just know that, I mean, that if, 
and we've already kind of seen it, right? Like Ford and Tesla and some, you know, tech companies are investing and focusing their efforts on, you know, what they can do to, to slow this thing down and, and hopefully help people. And then I know the government's obviously doing their thing to try and, uh, you know, produce economic stimulus. So people are getting a, a paycheck, at least a little one. And then, you know, I know there's some countries that are helping each other with stuff, but I feel like there could be a greater effort um, in that regard. But what do I know? Okay, let me, yeah, one thing, I think my biggest frustration with this whole thing has just been like how politicized it's been. I wish we could be better at just like throwing everything to the wayside and focusing on the most important thing, which is humanity at this point. Um, And that's not me trying to like make it sound like this is definitely the end of the world. I just think, you know, something should take precedence over other things. And uh, this is just me making a note real quick, kind of on a side thing of how fast news spreads and how fast changes are um, through this entire like process of this virus. I had a, a note of what's happening right now. My first note is um, there's big news about the stimulus package being announced, 1200 to everyone who makes under 75 k I wonder how quickly this, they can get this in people's hands and how quickly they can get this deal done. I made these notes two days ago. That stimulus package is now passed. Um, I said the market had a decent day yesterday, right? And then today it had a yeah, better day. Uh-huh. Yep. And then I had right, another yeah. note saying I saw a graph and it looks like the U.S. Uh, in the next few days will have the most recorded cases. And I just got an update while we were recording this pod um, on my, yeah. my Apple watch saying that we'd now have more cases than in any other country in the world. So everything that I have on the, what's happening right now from two days ago is irrelevant. So it's pretty, it well not irrelevant, but pretty insane. It's yeah. Pretty old information. No, it's so true. Um, like I have a bunch of podcasts. I follow some health podcasts and like the ones that are like outdated by like two or three days that I haven't had a chance to listen to. Like I'm not going to listen to them cause you know, there's, there's new information that's coming out constantly. And yeah, it's crazy, man. I, I, I think the biggest thing, the thing I'm most excited for is for the, the tests to come out to like develop the, the, to test the antibodies to see who already has had this thing. Um, and, and then hopefully, you know, we can really gauge how dangerous this thing is because I've, I've said it a million times and I haven't conveyed it well at all, but it would just be nice to know that you kind of know what, what the freaking demon is that we're fighting here because at this point it's still kind of unknown. All you know, CNN and, and the media does has done a pretty good job of, like, freaking everybody out. Like, there's literally, like, a death toll counter and infection counter on CNN that literally just ticks every time, like, someone <laughs> is newly confirmed with a case. And I'm like, this it's this the dumbest thing. It's, I swear it's like, I mean, I don't know. It's weird to say, like, I don't think we need that information. But it's also, I think it's weird to say that, like, that's, like, a focal point And it's literally on the screen the entire time, like, a freaking score of a, you know, basketball game. Like, I think that's unnecessary. <laughs> I don't know, though. I'm at a loss. It's, it's crazy. It really is. Um, but, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. It's crazy times, man. There's nothing There's nothing to dance around it. Um, I mean, we're hoping to come up with some sort of content, too, just for people to pass the time. So hopefully this isn't the only podcast we do during, you know, the, the entire quarantine phase. Yeah, totally. We've got some we've got some ideas in the works that I think would be pretty fun, and, and we appreciate everybody listening today. Just as we kind of rambled about our thoughts and, and tried to kind of get a get a hold of, of what's going on here. Um, I'm trying to think. Do we do we dare do we go through a couple of the mailbag questions, or should we should we avoid those till next week? Um, let's bump out a few. We can. Should we bump out a few? How long have we been doing this? Like about an hour. Yeah, we're close to an hour. Okay, let's do like one or two. Yeah. 
okay. And this one's relevant. So shout out to Logan Barber. Um, Logs uh, play softball with him, and uh, so we're fellow softball champions and uh, teammates. And he's a good dude. Um, he has a question about the, the the chemistry between Donovan and Rudy, yeah. and this actually is pretty relevant. I'm actually glad he asked because yeah. um, for everybody that doesn't know, Rudy was supposedly he was the first patient confirmed to have coronavirus in the NBA. Now, subsequently, Marcus Smart also tested positive, and he was out for illness on like March 2nd, um, and then the Jazz played the Celtics on March 6th. So there's a real possibility because he also played the Nets previously to that. So Rudy was the first one that was tested, but a bunch of Nets have come out positive. Obviously, Jazz and or the Donovan and Rudy came out positive. Um, so there's some speculation as to whether or not potentially Marcus Smart was the one yeah. to infect the Jazz and then the in turn the the Sixers or the the Nets. But that's beside the point. Rudy was a little reckless with the way that he was approaching the social distancing, the media. Yeah, everybody's seen the the video footage of uh, Rudy touching all the microphones, kind of as like scoffing at the virus and uh, infecting the microphones with the virus as a joke. This is before he knew he had it, of course. Um, and then he took a ton of backlash after, including um, seems to, according to reports, have kind of bugged Donovan a little bit with how reckless he was. And now there's some speculation that Donovan is pretty anti-Rudy right now, or at least not on good terms with Rudy. Thoughts, Kurt? I'll say this about Rudy. There's no dancing around it. It's, it was a bad look. Um, the whole microphone thing and then the reports in the locker room, like, just straight up. Like, I mean, people make those jokes, but it just ended up being a really bad look for him. And he looked like an idiot. But with that being said... I think the crucifixion of him on Twitter is a bit ridiculous. Um, people do dumb stuff all the time. He is not patient zero. I'm sure other players at that point had it, and and he's not the reason the league got shut down. It was bound to happen. I mean, just a few days after the NBA did it, everything was shut down. So uh, it was either that day after he tested positive or a few days later it was happening. Um, and it wasn't like he, he was maliciously knowing he was infected and trying to get people sick. But regardless, he did look bad. Um, I think his apology was actually very sincere. And Same. I think he I think he handled it, handled himself really, or has handled himself very nicely since uh, testing positive. He's been very admirable in that situation. And um, I think long-term, like, his image and everything will be fine. It'll end up just being a meme uh, down the road. And then the Donovan side of it, um, you know, the reports of him being upset with Rudy... There is one side of this. Our beat writers were going after um, Woj for being irresponsible and speculative on that report. And, um, I mean, it might have not needed to be said, but I will say that Woj has built his entire career on not being speculative. Um, remember, this league is not, nothing is truth until he reports on it. So, as unfortunate as that is, I'm not going to be jumping to my own conclusions saying that this is false i'm sure i'm sure donathan is upset however we do need to realize that it's completely human for someone to be upset about something this monumental um i think it seems like people calling out donnie saying like you know there i hate how there's been a line drawn in the sand but calling donnie out saying that he could have been the one that infected Rudy, yada, yada. Well, one, we didn't understand what was going on behind closed doors with how Rudy was handling things. So, yeah, I'm um, sure Donovan was upset finding out he contracted the virus after Rudy was doing that stuff. Regardless, it probably just pissed him off. So, um, 
I don't think Rudy gave it to him. Actually, I am kind of on that conspiracy theory that it was Marcus Smart that started this whole thing. Um, but one thing is, I think he'll get over it. Like, this is a very long-winded answer for me to say that Donovan's going to get get over it. He's processing it like any other human would. Apparently, he is kind of a germaphobe, and he's worried about getting sick all the time. So he's mad. I'm sure him and Rudy will have a conversation. He'll accept it. There's too much writing on this to let to let you know something happen um, long term. I think this is where like people like Joe and Mike Conley kind of step in and and help these guys you know talk it out and get over it. And then like us saying that this team's going to break up over this is a pretty far fetched and pretty ridiculous. I think, I think we'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah, a couple things to add to that. Cause I agree with you. Um, apparently there were a few other disgruntled, um, players and it's, that's rumor at this point, like Ingles was one of them. I'm a little annoyed by Rudy, but there's a possibility that maybe they're just kind of annoyed just kind of it as overall. I don't know. Just Rudy kind of being, a little uh, kind of like we talked about last time in the last pot, a little pouty the last few games before everything got canceled and just kind of, it might've just been something that where everything came to a, came to a head and uh, yeah. they were just all kind of sick of being with Rudy for a minute and hopefully Rudy learns from it. But obviously there are reports out now that Donovan is pretty likely going to sign the extension to the jazz with the jazz um, this summer, which is obviously great news. And he's probably realizes that we'll do the same with Rudy, I would guess. Um, so we'll see what happens there, but um, yeah, I think that's all I have there. So yeah. we will see. Um, so great question. Shout out Logan. Uh, next question we have here is, would you rather, this is from Adam West. Shout out to Adam West. Your burritos always look tasty in the morning. Those breakfast burritos that you eat. So uh, shout out to, to Adam West. Um, he asks, would you rather get Corona or have to quarantine for three months screenless? And I'm going to say that for all I know, I've already had Corona and it's gone now. Who knows? Um, but being three months screenless, honestly, it would be kind of nice. Um, if I didn't have to use it for work, I'd probably be okay with it. I'd find other stuff to do. Um, so I'd say just out of the 0.02% possibility that I die, apparently, um, we'll go with, uh, we'll go three months screenless. What do you think? Uh, man, just give me the, uh, just for the sake of being on the other side, just give me the Rona. <laughs> we're all gonna get it anyway so yeah, I, get start, it over I started those halo campaigns i want to finish them there you go there you go i know oh my gosh i'm so jealous but um yeah i figured like i say for all we know we've already had it and it wasn't that bad so but yeah i don't know if i i feel you Kurt. i get you <laughs> um next question and this is also somewhat appropriate what is your weapon of choice so this is from madison mangum shout out to madison um, he and I served together once upon a time in Texas as missionaries and then seen him a few times since, and he's a great dude. Um, Madison asks, what is your weapon of choice in a zombie apocalypse? Kurt, hmm. feel free to answer. My weapon of choice, man. I don't know. Like, how big can I go? I mean, this is something – This is it, it has to be portable. We'll say uh, that. Okay, because I was going to say, like, if I learned how to operate a tank – I feel like that's a pretty safe bet. Um, man, if I learn anything from video games and zombies, it's you got to use a shotgun. But specifically, I'm going to use the Halo 1 shotgun because that thing can shoot like and destroy something from like 30 feet away. So give me the Halo 1 shotgun. The, the question is, is how bad is the zombie epidemic? Because eventually you're going to run out of shotgun shells. And at that point, if they're slow moving zombies... 
like uh, The Walking Dead, if I if I remember right, those are slow moving. If that's the case, then you might want like a broadsword. I'm I'm kind of tempted, which it won't. A shotgun would be much better than a broadsword to start. But then once you're out of ammo, you're going to be much happier that you have the broadsword. Oh, I um, could fa- I could fashion my barrel into some sort of sword afterwards, like a bayonet. Yeah, like a like a brute shot on Halo, but it's a shotgun instead. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yep. <laughs> Okay, well, we might be having the same answer here because if that's the case, if that's if that's a doable thing, if we can get a shotgun with a blade on the end, then uh, I feel like that's kind of the no-brainer. Yeah, besides a tank, but yeah. Well, the question is, is a tank, is it a vehicle or is it a weapon? It can't, or is, I mean... Well, can't all vehicles 51? be weapons? Right, but yeah, that's, a good, that's a good question. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know, dude. There's a lot of, there's a lot of avenues we can go down here on our zombie apocalypse. But if they're World War Z zombies, if they're World War Z zombies, you probably don't want a tank because that's just not going to get the job done. Nah, dude. At that point, you're going to want, I don't know. I don't know what you want. Those, those, well, those ones are fast. They're so fast. At that point, you're pretty much just screwed unless you can find the antidote. Yeah. Unless you're think, handsome like Brad Pitt. The, yeah. The, I think the good middle ground is maybe like the, what is it? Um, the I Am Legend zombies. Those are pretty fast too. Yeah. But, those are freaky. Yeah. Um... Anyway, next question. Um, shout out to our friend Tom Barnes. He's curious. Uh, he's my recent travel buddy. How far has Berg gone with the chick? Interesting question, Tom. Um, yeah. I, I appreciate that you are interested in my traveling endeavors. Um, I think probably the furthest I've ever gone, probably Cancun, I think. I, I think it would probably be Cancun. I, I don't know the exact mileage, but um, – Cancun feels right. So I would say the furthest I've gone with a girl is definitely Cancun. That's a far way away. It is. It is. People forget that it's another country. Yeah. Well, the farthest I've gone is with my wife and that's, that's Spain probably. So that's way further than Mexico. So it's, uh, potentially, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll leave it at that. (laughs) Um, good stuff. Uh, well, let's see. What do we have? Any other questions? Um, so shout out to cole brown so long story short like i'm pretty sure cole was like 10 and i was like i think i'm I think I'm like 10 years older than cole maybe 12 and when i got off my mission um i taught pitching lessons um to some kids that were like super young and one of them was cole and i met with him a few times and taught him how to pitch and now i'm pretty sure he's like a senior at viewmont or had just graduated i'm not sure um and he's curious what the post the best post-workout recovery system is um that's a good question. I think you want to get some protein and you want to get some carbs. Uh, you don't necessarily need the fat, but just some protein and some carbs um, within an hour after your workout. And that's probably the best. If that's what you're referring to by system, that's what I would say. Um, that's yeah, what I'll go with there. I have nothing to add to that. Don't worry. It's pretty simple. Honestly, there's not a whole lot to add. That and then if you're looking for the, you know, the full recovery deal, um, typically – any way that you can slow down your uh, parasympathetic or fight or flight nervous system, so whether it's like foam rolling um, or things like that, to get your body and back into rest and digest and recover, that's how you build muscle, supposedly. So that's what you want to do. You want to get your your uh, central nervous system kind of back in check out of fight or flight mode. Hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah. So I'm trying to think. What else do we have here? We have uh, Spencer Davis, 54. Shout out Spencer Davis. 
just has a quick question. This is probably geared towards me, but you can definitely uh, give your input. Uh, he's a Thrice fan, and so he's curious, which is the better Thrice album of, the, of these two, Visu or Identity Crisis? Um, Identity Crisis is very raw. It's their first real album out of high school. Um, a little heavier, kind of fun, but uh, not super – well, it's more skilled musically than I've ever been. But I would say Visu because Visu is like a landmark album. So shout out to – thrice shout out to under a killing moon by thrice too whatever that one's on is their best artist in the ambulance a very popular album there we go very good um we had a few other questions but we're running we're running long here so we'll have to revisit these another day and we'll do another mailbag when we do our next uh, apocalypse episode so dude do you have anything else to share before we uh we call it quits for the day no just do your part do your part stay stay away from people if you can i will do my darndest and shout out to everybody, um, yeah, for listening to our, our rambling words and our thoughts about this further developing situation. Um, don't judge us on our opinions at this point because they're definitely not well founded. And these are the thoughts inside our head and nothing more. Stay safe, everybody. Peace. Peace. It's the end.